Uh, you look amazing on the Saturday. If you had some sort of sports activity, give me a wave. Yeah, I heard like most of you, yeah. Uh, and it's so good to be here with you, you on this summit journey. And I'm just tonight the next stop on your journey. You know, there are many stops. Uh, bias, that was an incredible word last night, a word of expectation. And I'm just another stop. After me, there's another incredible stop. But I pray that you take hold of what God is doing here in this place because the atmosphere is incredible. I don't say that lightly. You don't experience worship like we ex worship without great preparation. Preparation of the hearts of the team, preparation of the pastors, uh, preparation to lay the ground with prayer and expectation for God to meet with each and every one of you. You know, I want to honor your pastors here tonight. They are incredible pastors. I know um, you are used to them, and sometimes, you know, familiarity can bring contempt. And I want to say that Pastor Richard and Pastor Jackie are incredible gifts to the body of Christ. Hold on. I think we can do better than that. But, but, <laughs> and the reason I can say that is, Baez and I get around a lot to many churches, and they're the real deal. They don't just stand up here preaching one thing and live a different life. You see, the same life that they bring, the heart and soul of who they are here is who they are when you're out for coffee with them. And, and those are leaders you want to follow, people who love you and love the church more than anything else. So I want to honor you. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. It is a privilege. It's a privilege to be in a home and it still feel like your home. And that's what it feels like, to be amongst friends and family. And so today, it's my great privilege to be speaking on how it is that we can live in a place of being fully prepared. And I've chosen those words strategically, intentionally, not prepared, being fully prepared. Because preparation is an ongoing thing that takes place within us. We don't prepare once and, and then that's the end of our preparation. Living in preparation is how it is that we are supposed to come as Christ followers. Uh, you know, and the heart behind this message, friends, is that over the years, we, I have seen, we have seen as pastors, so many people encounter difficulties that they were not prepared for. The death of a loved one an illness, something that, you know, knocked their feet from under them, a retrenchment, so many things, a life transition, like a hectic life transition that have just knocked people's feet out from under them. And so this sermon today is a heart of a pastor's sermon saying, us as your pastors, we love you, and us as, as your friends, we love you, and we encourage you to be prepared for whatever life has for you, the ups, the downs. You know, it's not just terrible times. There's incredible times, but there needs to be a preparation that takes place. And so this evening, um, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God. Friends, I want you to come in today. I invite you to come in today knowing that we are in a corporate space but that God still speaks to us personally. 
He's not a private God. He's a communal God, but he speaks personally in corporate spaces. And he has a word for each and every one of us tonight. So let's open up our hearts, open up our hands as in a posture to receive from him today. Because these are not my words. They are his words for the body of Christ today. Father God, we are so grateful for your presence that is in this place. Scripture is clear that where two or three of us are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. And I know that you are here and you are present and you are moving right from the start of worship. Your presence saturated this place. And so now I pray that you would use my fallible words to speak your infallible gospel into this place tonight, that you would change our hearts, that you would speak to us individually in this beautiful corporate place, we pray. Would your still small voice whisper to each of us in your name? And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you. You know, have you ever had a moment where you felt like you just could not go on. A moment where you thought you were going to break. A moment that you felt completely unprepared for. You know, recently I've had one of those moments. And I'm going to set the scene for you just so you can uh, have a picture. Now, I realize that my story is just my story, and I'm sure you all have yours, and it may seem simple, but to me in that moment, as everybody's stories are, it completely swiped me off my feet. And so I'm going to sketch the picture for you. It was a couple of months ago. We had just come off leading an AOG conference. We were super tired. Um, after that conference, I stayed on in Cape Town to preach at a church. I had been sick for three weeks and just not gotten better. So Byron went home to be with the kids. I stayed on to preach at a church. Uh, flew back in, back home to pack up my daughter to go on a netball tour. While she was on netball tour, I kept getting phone calls from the teacher to say she's ill, she's ill, but she still wants to play netball, you know, as you would, um, and she wants to play, and so I'm watching online to watch my daughter to see if she's fainting on the netball court, you know, you're watching those little screens, um, and watching her play, and she's not well. Um, in the middle of this, her dog got sick, and all of a sudden needed to go to the vet, um, to be put on sleep therapy. Any dog had, anyone had a dog that's been on sleep therapy? Well, yes. Our dog went on sleep therapy so he wouldn't move because somehow he messed up a disc in his back. So our dog went to sleep therapy in the time, but initially we thought he was just pining for his uh, owner, which was Kate, who was on tour. But then we realized there was something wrong, took him to the vet, sleep therapy for the dog. We had um, guests coming, international guests that we were hosting at the time. They flew in from the States, and uh, we offered to pick them up from the airport and show them around. And so we were hosting guests. Uh, they were joining us on Sunday morning at our second service. Uh, we picked up our kids the Friday night, or Kate from camp Friday night, rushed through, had dinner with them in Santon to entertain them, rushed back you know, led church Sunday morning, first service. Our guests were joining us in the second service. And so um, as the first service is about to wrap up, we've probably got about 20 minutes left, I get a WhatsApp from our team to say, your two children, not your one, your two children are sick in your office and they are really unwell. Can you come? 
And I'm sitting in church going, I can't come. I'm doing the offering. You know, just give me a moment. And so I said, I'll be there between the services. Between the services, I rush upstairs uh, to see that my two children have raging temperatures. Not just little temperatures, like raging temperatures. Now, I've been a mom for a while, so you ignore a lot, you know. Uh, (laughs) They were raging temperatures. We knew they had to get to the doctor. The doctors close on a Sunday at 12. And so we had to get them to the doctor. So uh, my sister offered to take them because we still had the second service. And we were hosting our guests after the second service. And literally, at at, like 10.25, the service starts at 10.30. We're coming down the stairs to get into our second service, you know, we greet our guests who we've now been texted to say, your guests are here and you are nowhere. And so we come into, as, as we try to open the door for the auditorium, the phone rings and it's our vet. And the vet says to Byron in that moment, you need to come now. Now, your dog is deteriorating. And if your dog continues to deteriorate by tomorrow, your dog will have no use of of his back legs. Our dog's name is Amigo. I mean, he's a friend. It means friend. Uh, uh, Your dog will have no use of his back legs, no use of his bladder, and you need to come now, take your dog for a 40,000 rand surgery, spinal surgery on a day off. And so right there, I was like, you're a goner. Cheers, dog. You're done. Okay. (laughs) Okay, what you need to know is I am not a dog person. I have never loved dogs. I have never wanted a dog, but this was my daughter's dog. So in that moment, I fell in the courtyard onto the floor and wept like a baby. For a dog I did not love. For a dog I did not want. The straw that broke the camel's back, right? And so we put the phone down, we discussed what we're gonna do, and so we were like, no, we, we just don't have 40,000 rand for a dog. And we don't have pet insurance. Pet, I'm gonna just advertise, go for pet insurance, okay? Uh, <laughs> Uh, we don't have that. And so we stood in the courtyard, made the decision. It's my daughter's dog. It was a devastating decision. That was going to cost our dog its life. And my child her heart. You know, I think that was worse. And so we had the discussion. Byron phoned the vet back, told the vet. The vet then says this, which, you know, just makes you feel so much better. I have never seen a dog recover from this. If you don't come, you need to say goodbye to Amigo. And so we said, I'm really sorry, we can't come. She said, I'm closing my practice. We'll see what happens tomorrow. So Byron and I stood in the courtyard praying for our dog. We held hands and we prayed the best prayer we could for Amigo, gathered ourselves and went into the service. Uh, We then hosted the second, uh, hosted, facilitated, preached the second service, hosted our friends, went to pick up our swine flu-infected children uh, from my sister. Then we went home. We had an encounter night planned that night, and Byron went off to encounter night to lead what I believe was the most incredible encounter night we've ever had in our church. You know, the Spirit of God descended in that place, and I sat with my daughter on my lap who was sobbing the entire night because she knew the next morning we had to put our dog down And uh, I prayed, and I prayed for Amigo, 
and I prayed for my daughter's broken heart. Uh, and I prayed for their sick swine flu to be gone and their fevers to go. And I prayed for Encounter Night. The next morning, we get a call from the vet. And the vet says, it is a doggy miracle. <laughs> it is a doggy miracle. Your dog has improved. I have never seen this in my whole life. Is there a picture? Was there a picture up of the dog? Have you got it? There we go. There's Amigo. <laughs> um, your dog has improved, and now we could take Amigo uh, to the Ondestesput Hospital and could get a surgery that didn't cost as much because it's a teaching hospital, way, way less, just way, way less, let me just tell you that. Uh, and, and then our dog survived with a bit of, you know, therapy and all sorts of things. Uh, <laughs> but in that moment, friends... When the vet said it was a doggy miracle, I realized that we were under a spiritual attack. My family were under a spiritual attack. And all of a sudden, I was angry. How did I not see it? How did I not see that Satan had come to steal, kill, and destroy? How did I not see that Satan was trying to stop our encounter night uh, from people encountering the presence of God? How did I not see it? And I was furious because I was not prepared. You know, hindsight, it's perfect vision, right? Have you ever had a moment where in hindsight you realize that Satan was attacking? That he was trying to steal something from you, kill something, destroy something, and that you were unprepared. I'm sure you have. We've all had moments like this, haven't we? Where we were just completely blindsided and unprepared. Well, friends, there's a passage of Scripture that speaks directly into this. Directly into this. And I'm going to read it for us today, but before I do so... I want to let you know that this scripture is a well-known scripture. And with that, we have the tendency to switch off. Oh, I know the scripture. I've heard it a thousand times. Here we go again. Friends, we can always learn from the word of God because the word of God is powerful. It is alive. It speaks to us continually, not just once off, but continually. And so the portion of scripture, it's Paul writing to the uh, Ephesian church, and it's Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, and it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to, uh, that was really wussy, so that you will be able to, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, uh, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be, so that you will be, 
fully prepared so that you will be fully prepared in addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil put on this on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of your spirit which is the word of God pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere Friends, the reason this text is so important is that these were Paul's final words. You know, if someone is giving you their final words on their deathbed, you pay attention. Final words matter. I want to be there for those final moments to hear the important message that will be spoken. And these are Paul's final words, chapter 6, to the, to the church in Ephesus. And he's saying, if you remember nothing else, remember this. This is important for your well-being. This is important for your preparation. This is important so that you will be fully prepared and be able to stand firm. Such a beautiful passage, and we can learn so much from it. The first thing we can learn from this passage is this, that the armor of God is essential for our survival. It is essential for our survival. Friends, it doesn't say if battles come. Not if battles come, but when battles come. We are assured that we are in a battle. And I think sometimes we think, well, you know, we're Christians. We're in this little bubble. That's not what the scripture says. It says that when battles come. When battles come, we need to be prepared. We are in a spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. We are in a spiritual battle. And so it is important that we prepare ourselves mentally to know that we are in a spiritual battle. There are spiritual elements at play. You know, I believe that sometimes people think because they can't see Satan that he is make-believe. Just because you can't see Satan doesn't mean he is make-believe. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Stay alert. Watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It doesn't say that he is a cat licking his paws. He is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Devour. Like munch in its entirety. Right? Not just, not just you know, lick you uh, and purr. Satan prowls in order to devour. And friends, I don't say this to scare us. Honestly, at this point, you're probably thinking, like, take her away. Get her off the stage. I don't say this to scare us. I say this in order that we might prepare ourselves. In order for us to open our eyes to the spiritual reality that is taking place in, in the world amongst us, around us. So don't be afraid. Because the beautiful thing about this entire scripture is it says this, that it is, the, it is God's armor. It is not our armor. So I don't have to come over here and go, okay, I need a helmet. Thunk, 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 thunk. Okay, that's my hammer. I'm sure one of you could do a better job. <laughs> uh, 
you don't have to create your own helmet and put it on. You don't have to find a shield like, hey, this TV looks great. You know, here's my shield. You don't have to do that. It is God's armor. He places it on you and he says, stand. It is his armor. And he says, you be found in my armor. And all you need to do is remain in me. Remain in Christ. Keep him at the center. If we keep him on the center, it's so beautiful. What he does is he goes, hey, here's my belt of truth. I place it on you. Here's my helmet of salvation and my shoes of peace. And the breastplate of righteousness, I place it on you. And I, all I ask of you is to stand. Be found in me and stand. Be found in me and I place my armor on you. And when my armor is, is on you, the fiery darts of the enemy will come, but they will not penetrate. They will not penetrate because I am standing. And the armor of God is doing what the armor of God was created to do. It's not the armor of Candace. I don't have armor. If I did it, it wouldn't look good. But it's God's armor placed on me. It's such a beautiful thought. It, it's absolutely incredible. You know, the word here in Ephesians 6.10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. The power mentioned here is a Greek word. And this power is the same power that is referenced uh, in Ephesians 1.19. It says the power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power. In other words, we have the power that resides in us, on us. That is the power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the power. It's not a wussy power. This is a resurrecting power that resides within me. This is a life-changing power. This is a you were dead, now you are alive power that resides in each of us. And so we don't need to be afraid, friends. We need to stand. Stand, because the armor of God's is mine. Don't turn, though. There's no armor on the back. Stand. Don't be afraid. Stand. The second thing that we learn is that the armor of God is almost entirely defensive. Five out of the seven parts of the armor of God are defensive. Hey, here's your belt. Here's your breastplate. Here's your shoes. Hey, you're going to need the shield. I've already covered you. That's what God's saying. I've already covered you. The victory is yours. So stand. The other thing about the fact that Paul references the armor of God is that it brings our attention. Who wears armor? Soldiers. Soldiers are part of an army. The one thing that is powerful about this text, it's not a coincidence that he mentions the armor of God. What he is saying is, put on the armor and stand. But you're not standing alone because you are in an army of other believers who are standing right next to you. 
and they are also armed with the armor of God with their swords and, uh, and their shields out. And I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with Byron and Jax and Richard. And so many of you, we're standing. We're just standing as an army. We are not alone. We are in a community of Christ followers who when together, we are the body of Christ. We are the soldiers in an army. If you are an isolated soldier, they say you are a dead soldier. Strength comes in community. Our strength comes when I'm standing alongside other Christ followers. And guess what? There's another row of Christ followers behind me. And there's another row of Christ followers in front of me. And we're all holding up our shields and we are advancing the kingdom of God together. Isn't that just beautiful? Friends, there's strength in community. We've said over and over again in our church, don't do life alone. When you fall, who's going to be there to pick you up? Don't do life alone. Get into a community. Find a small group, a group that you can do life with, a group that can pick you up when you fall, a group that can celebrate when there's a victory in your life, a group that can pray for you, a group that can encourage you. Surround yourself with the group, with the body of Christ, because it's in community. It's soldiers together that there is a strength. Let's get into community together. Don't do life alone. You know, our faith, it might be personal, but it's not private. It's done in community. We're safer together. The last lesson for tonight is that the armor of God, it helps us to fight back. Now, I believe there's two attacking parts to this armor of God. Most people would say one, but I incorporate verses 16, uh, 17 and 18 together. I think God's calling. He wants his armor back. I'll just take a moment so you can find it. All right, is everyone tracking with me? The armor of God is essential for our survival, point number one. The armor of God is almost entirely defensive, uh, point number two. And the third point is that the armor of God helps us to fight back. And I believe that there are two weapons at our disposal. But many believe that by reading this, there's only one. But I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 for us together. And it says this, Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is, tells us, the Word of God. This is really Lib, right here. <laughs> which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion, verse 18. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Most people stop with the armor of God on verse 17. We've put that as a man-made transition, a man-made pause in Scripture, but it actually continues. And so I believe the two weapons at our disposal are God's Word and our prayers. Friends, these are our weapons. These are ways that we can prepare ourselves for when life happens. We can prepare ourselves, firstly, by being found in Christ. Secondly, we can prepare ourselves by being surrounded by a community. Thirdly, we can prepare ourselves with the Word of God and with our prayers. 
Friends, this word, this sort that, that the scripture talks about uh, is in Greek. It's a short sort. It's not a long sort. It's not a fencing sword uh, that is meant to be used at a distance. It was about, when I did the research on the type of sword that was mentioned, it was a 48 centimeters weapon. This is a little longer than that. That you would place in your belt for when the enemy got too close. This was um, for when the enemy got really, really close, you would just take it out. Okay, now this is graphic. If you are not lying... If you don't like graphic, close your eyes, block your ears, do what you need to. This is graphic, okay? It was a double-edged sword, sharp sword, blade both sides. And it had a pointed up edge, just like this one. So grateful to have a son. Uh, and what they would do is they would use both their hands. When the enemy got close, they would use both their hands, which I've only got one, and they would literally stab the person in and out, in and out, in and out, in the gut, eat, twisting. I know, it's rough, eh? In and out, <laughs> twisting so that they would disembowel them. This is the sword the scripture is talking about. The word of God is that type of sword. It is a sword that has the power to take out our enemy. If only we would use it. That's what's at our disposal. The word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he used the word of God. Three times and Satan fled. Can I encourage you, friends, read your Bible, memorize Scripture, speak Scripture into your life, into your heart, uh, speak it over your family, speak it over your door, place it everywhere you can, in your car as you're driving to work, get it into you because the Word of God is alive, it is quick, it is powerful, it is active, it has the potential to change our lives if only we would use it more. Friends, it's powerful. Let me give you an example. I'll give you a couple. If you're struggling with fear, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says this, For God has not given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And now that might take some time to move from your head to your heart, and that's okay. But just keep yielding your sword. You know, it took a couple of times to kill those, the, the enemy. It took a couple of stabs and twists. It might take a couple of stabs and twists in order for that fear to be gone. But it will move. It will move from your head to your heart at some point. Perhaps you, you feel like you can't face that difficulty. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do all things, everything through who? Christ, who gives me strength. Perhaps you're feeling tempted. Friends, I know there are addictions. They are rife in our world at the moment. Well, Scripture says this. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. God, I need to humble myself before you. I cannot do this alone. 
I cannot do this addiction alone in my own strength. So I humble myself and I ask you that, that, that Satan would flee from me. And we use scripture because it's powerful. Perhaps you're worrying about your needs. You can't provide for yourself financially. Uh, your, your, your expenses are more than what you can, your, your budget can afford at the moment. Well, Scripture says, don't worry, Philippians 4, verse 4 to 6, about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Perhaps you're struggling with your health. 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by His wounds stripes, I am healed. Perhaps you've received a terminal diagnosis. Psalms 118 verse 17, I will not die. Instead, I will live and tell what the Lord has done to me. Scripture is alive. Scripture is powerful. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, friends, can I encourage us? Open our Bibles, read God's Word, get God's Word into you, in your life, through you, so that it can change you. It is a powerful weapon at our disposal that we need to take a hold of. If you don't know where to start, start in Mark, the book of Mark, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. Mark is a quick, short summary of the Gospels. It moves quickly. It's, it's entertaining. You can count the amount of suddenlies in Mark. Uh, it is incredible. Uh, it's a great place to start. Read a chapter a day, but don't just read. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me one thing out of this text today that will change my life. Speak to me in one small way from this text today, and then start reading. And let the Word of God get into who you are as a person. Our second offensive weapons are our prayers. Church, I don't believe we pray enough. And I don't say that in some way that is to be, you know, condescending. I say this from experience. I don't pray enough. We don't pray enough. It is a powerful, powerful weapon. And Scripture tells us that the fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. How many wonderful results are you seeing around you? Not as many as we should because we don't pray enough. Can I encourage you to pray? Martin Luther King Jr., he says this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian is to pray. Our strength comes from praying. Can I encourage us, friends, to pray? Pray all kinds of prayers. Pray in groups, pray individually, pray silent prayers, pray, pray out loud, pray corporate prayers, pray walking prayers, pray kneeling prayers, pray breath prayers. Pray eloquent prayers. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray groaning prayers. Constant prayers. Fervent prayers. But just pray. Pray at all times and on every occasion. Pray, pray, pray. Because it is a weapon at our disposal to change 
the world that we live in, so that we will be prepared for what comes. The beautiful thing about the scripture is that it says at the end of Ephesians that we don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for all believers everywhere. That is the beauty of prayer. That is the power of being in some sort of group where I leverage my prayers on your behalf. Because I know that we have a God, an incredible God who loves us. And he wants to use us and change us. If only we would pray. Prayer is a silent weapon, friends. It's a powerful weapon. And so I've had many people who say, well, if God knows what you need, why do you need to pray? Many people have said that. Friends, we don't pray to give God information to our lives. He already knows. We pray to give him access to our hearts. That's why we pray. Why do we talk to our our spouses or someone we love to give them access to our hearts? And so twice in my story, you will have heard that we prayed for our dog. And then I sat in my office with my daughter on my lap, and I prayed again. Prayer, it's not because God didn't know my dog was at the vet or that my children were sick or that my husband was at an encounter at night. It was that so God could know that my heart was breaking, that my children needed healing, and I was pleading on their behalf for some change to take place. We don't pray for information's sake. We pray so that God will have access to our hearts. As I conclude this evening, I'm here to remind us, church, that's all, that as Christ followers, we need to be found in Christ first and foremost. Remain. And when we remain, he places his armor on us, and all we need to do is stand. It's not our armor. It's God's armor. It's called the armor of God. And so it's powerful that we just get to stand, 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 so that we will be fully prepared for whatever comes because we are found in Christ. The second thing we learned today is that there is power in community. We're not lone soldiers. We're soldiers in an army. And not just any army, in the army of God. And it's vital that we surround ourselves with community because we need each other, friends. COVID's lie was that we could isolate and be okay. That did not turn out well for us. We need one another. The third thing I I know for sure is that the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. And we need to use it. Can I encourage you to get the Word of God in you and use it as your weapon over and over again until you defeat whatever circumstances you find yourself in. And finally, friends, pray Pray, pray, pray. Pray on every, at every occasion for yourself and for others and even for your dogs. Pray. We're going to take a moment now, just a brief moment, to respond to what we've heard yet today. Can I ask for every head to be bowed, every eyes to be closed? Friends, everyone's on their own journey here. There's no one looking around 
But what I want to encourage us today, perhaps you're feeling challenged, that God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is moving amongst us in this place. In one of these areas. Firstly, perhaps you're not even in Christ. You're not in Christ. Well, today, you have an opportunity to stand and just say, hey, I want to be in you, Lord. I want your armor to be my armor. I've been trying to put on my own armor, and it is not working out for me. And if that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And another part of the call today is perhaps you're not in a community, and you want to just stand by saying, God, this is between you and me. I want to commit to being in a community, in a place where I can be loved and love, a place that I can be surrounded by other Christ followers, where together we can be the army of God, holding one another up. Perhaps you're here and you have not opened the Word of God in months, and today you want to take up the challenge of using the weapon at your disposal in such a better way. You want to go on a journey, a, plan, a reading plan? Well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm just going to include you in a prayer. It's just between you and God saying, hey, I need to use the Word of God more. I need to be fully prepared, and I need to use the Word of God. Perhaps you haven't prayed because you've thought just that. God, you already know. Why should I speak to you? You know. Well, friends, we pray to give God access to our hearts. And so in a moment, um, if that's you, if you would like to be fully prepared in one of these areas, won't you just stand to your feet? No one's looking around. And I'd love to pray a prayer over you, with you, for you, and then Jax is going to take over. Thank you. So many people standing already. This is between you and God. Perhaps it's one area. Perhaps it's two. You're just saying, I commit. I commit. I commit to one of these areas. I'm choosing to be fully prepared. I have been unprepared for what's going to life throws at me, and I want to prepare myself better by being found in Christ, found in community, found in God's Word, and found in prayer. If that's you, would you stand to your feet? Love to pray over you, with and for you, as we literally commit to this together as the body of Christ. Last call. Don't miss the opportunity. If you want to commit, why don't you stand to your feet? Father God, I thank you for every single person, every single individual that is desiring to better prepare themselves to, to take the summit, to take hold of that summit. And so God, right now, we commit their decision to you. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to enable each and everyone who is standing here to live out their commitment from this moment. Please, will you help us not to strive, but to rather abide. Abide in you so that your armor can be our armor. Help us to clothe ourselves in your armor. God, would you lead us to life-giving communities, communities where we can surround ourselves with loved ones, those who will come alongside us. Help us to commit to, to getting the Word of God into our hearts and minds in increasing measures. Let the Word of God be that powerful, transforming weapon in our lives. And God, we commit to praying, 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 praying to give you access to our hearts, praying to give you access to our minds and our lives, and we commit, God, 
to taking hold of all that you have for us. And everybody together in this place said a resounding, Amen.